Hey, this is Angela, your lifeguard, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Hey guys, I'm Dana, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Hey, it's Corey, your best lifeguard, and this is the Pool Scene Podcast. This is your lifeguard, Matt. Whether you're just dipping those toes or diving into the deep end with us, thanks for listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Hi, I'm Rob Leonard one of your lifeguards, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. What's up, guys? It's Scott Kuntz, uh, a.k.a. Tunza, and you are listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Hey, this is Shane Herman with the Youngstown Comedy Syndicate. You're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Hey, I'm TJ. Hey, you, over there. Get ready to dive into the deep end on the Pool Scene Podcast, baby. Hey, this is Mag CH, and when I'm not lurking outside of Jim's windows, you can find me listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. This is internet sensation Matt Liller, here with the Pool Scene Podcast. Hello, Pool Sceners. This is one of your lifeguards, the American Zennial, Mike Kalenich. You are listening to the greatest podcast in town, the Pool Scene Podcast. With my boys, Jim and Kevin. Hey, this is Josh. I'm one of your lifeguards. You obviously have great taste in podcasting and love to be entertained from start to finish because you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Welcome to the Pool Scene Podcast. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, gift certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. some tasty waves a cool buzz and i'm fine congratulations pool sceners you've done it thank you for your encouragement your participation your feedback and above all else thank you for listening to what we have to say reaching the 100 episode milestone has been a breeze thanks to all of you so again thank you i am your host kevin joined by the co-host with the jokes jim pool sceners welcome we've reached the achievement from June 4th, 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, here we are in May of 2022, episode 100. We've done it, Kev. Now, I, I don't wish I was the host with the most. I wish I was the host with the boat, but only so I could park in the driveway for us to drink beers in. Ah, be a perfect occasion, which you will remember, Lethal Weapon. That's right, our Christmas special. Our Christmas special. They have a boat. They just sit in and drink beers in the driveway. How fucking great would that be? Me and you and the king of wishful thinking. Don't even care. I don't even need to license it or dock it. Or just park it in the driveway. Full of beer. Just sit in it and drink beer. You guys going to take the boat out? It's rotten away. No, this is our beer drinking boat. Yeah. Their neighbors would tell people at their work about you. Yeah. We just, we, our neighbor, he just parks in the driveway and he climbs up in the boat and just drinks. He doesn't bother anybody. That's what, what he does. He just gets sunburned. <laughs> 
He's completely red. He has sun poisoning, third degree burns. He just drinks paps on a boat in the lake. No, in his fucking driveway. That's what he does. If you've been paying close attention, we've said that we would get to it eventually. And eventually is now. Time is now, John Cena. Why not wait until the 100th episode occasion to discuss the movie that contains the scene that our podcast is named after? That's right. The famous pool scene from 1982's coming-of-age comedy drama Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hey, bud. <laughs> Let's party. <laughs> and here's a little quick background for you guys. When we first started this podcast, we're like, oh, it's the obvious thing. It's going to be the running joke. But the thing was, we were never, ever going to cover this. That was just going to be the running joke throughout for how long we do this podcast is, oh, we'll get to Fast Times eventually. But, I mean, you can't think of a better time. It's like, oh, we can do it at episode 10, episode 50. No. The time is now, the century mark. It's about time we give a little honor to the scene in which Phoebe Cates turned us all into men. Yes. So Fast Times was directed by Amy Heckerling in her directing debut. This launched a career where she went on to direct National Lampoon's European Vacation, a couple Look Who's Talking movies, oh. and Clueless. The head of Universal Pictures really wanted David Lynch to direct. Could you imagine? He said, this is funny. Not really my material. All right. I love David Lynch, but I don't want to think about what his version of this movie would have been. I can't even imagine. Stacy probably would have had Damone's baby. And it would have been like something with a rabbit's head or just like an eraser head prequel. Three club feet. Yeah, it would have been so strange. Would have been a saxophone guy. So anyhow, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was written by Cameron Crowe. Now Crowe has had a wild life. He graduated high school at 15 years old and he was underage posing as older so that he could work at Rolling Stone magazine. They wouldn't have let it fly if he was 15 years old at that time. That story famously told in classic movie, Almost Famous, that Jim hasn't seen, which should be a crime. I have not. Jim, the police are on their way. There's a lot of movies that I have not seen that we've covered on this podcast. With Pulp Fiction. Exactly. And it's now made me a Tarantino fan. I think I've said it before, but Almost famous, perfect Sunday afternoon type of movie. So since he never had that high school experience, Cameron Crowe went back to high school at age 22, undercover for a year, posing as a high school student. Fast Times was based on what Cameron Crowe saw in that year undercover. This is in a way a documentary about real people, except some stories were taken from some and given to others. The person Rat was based on went on to write a bunch of the Four Dummies books. So there's his claim okay. to He says he's the one who ordered a pizza in class, not the stoner who Spicoli was based on. That asshole. It was my pizza. My fucking pizza. And Mr. Han ate it all weird. His I- name wasn't Mr. Han, it was Mr. Foot. <laughs> Horrible joke. I apologize. I, I loved it. <laughs> Heckerling wanted to direct the movie in a way like American graffiti that relied less on a linear narrative and more so wanted to create a fun universe that the viewer would want to live in, which... I think she succeeded. There's I would say not so. really like, cause this movie, there's a whole year that takes place in this movie. So fast times has three actors who went on to win best actor Oscars, Sean Penn, Forrest Whitaker and Nicolas Cage. Also, Jennifer Jason Lee was later nominated for one, and Cameron Crowe won writing Oscars for Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous. Not Judge Reinhold, though, unfortunately. unfortunately. He didn't get that best actor for vice versa. No. no. 
<laughs> the movie, this movie took iconic brand Vans National. I was just telling Jim off air how my Vans are falling apart. So I blame Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Before Fast Times, Van was a West Coast surf and skate shop, but everyone wanted the shoes that Spicoli wore. And now look at what Vans has become as a brand in the last 40 years. Hell yeah, it has. So huge cultural impact of this movie for no other reason that reason. Jim, if Fast Times took a small brand national, I think it may be revealing as to how the movie performed, but please give us budget, box office, news, and number ones at time of release for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out on August the 13th, 1982. I was less than a year old at this rate. Had a $5 million budget, and it made $50 million at the box office. Pretty good. Kevin told me while we were uh, doing a pregame that the trailer for this movie, completely not what this movie ended yeah, so up becoming. This, this movie was marketed way different from what it was. The trailer was that it was a big party film, which obviously... Got the audience into their seats. Yeah, right after Porky's. But a lot of audiences were disappointed because it was misrepresented. I mean, it is kind of a bait and switch. Universal Pictures presents everything you always wanted to do in high school with everyone you always wanted to do it with. Hey, bud. Let's party. They're the students of Ridgemont High. Uh Brad Hamilton, the fast food king. I shall serve no fries for their time. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm gonna kick 100% of your ass. Charles Jefferson, <laughs> a man with a mission. Oh, gnarly. Linda Barrett, not exactly the girl next door. Awesome, totally awesome. And Jeff surfs up Spicoli. People on moods should not drive. That was my skull. I'm so wasted. See Fast Times at Ridgemont High. If you watch the trailer, it's a bit of surfer Jeff Spicoli riding the waves, dudes, and fast food king Brad Hamilton. And it's like there's sound like there's like explosion sound effects and wipes and like it looks like Porky's. It looks like Porky's in a mall. And it was really capitalizing on that whole West Coast mall scene. And then you see the movie and it's kind of heavy. It's very heavy. A lot of taboo subject for 1982, let alone 2022. So Kevin, at this time in 1982, this was the peak of Atari. So your top two video games were Pitfall. Just last night, I was lost in the jungle with Pitfall Harry, surrounded by giant scorpions and man-eating crocodiles. Well, Harry and I just grabbed the van, swung through the trees, and over the tar pits and found the jungle treasure. It was really neat. If you haven't met Pitfall Harry, you're missing the year's most incredible video game adventure. Pitfall for the Atari 2600 and in television. Since I met Pitfall Harry... No other man will do. Pitfall, designed by David Crane for Activision. And unfortunately, the number two one was E.T., the extraterrestrial. Only from Atari. Made especially for systems from Atari. The video game that lets you help E.T. get home. Just in time for Christmas. Happy holidays from Atari. 
which was, I would have to say, mainly accredited for bringing down the entire video game industry, which completely false. When you oversaturate a video game market with horrible games, you put everything on E.T. And the guy who made this <laughs> took a lot of shit for it. And when you hear about it, it took they said we need it within six months. Then it was six weeks. And then I believe he said you needed to be done in three weeks, six hours. Yeah, I need it done in six minutes. Hey, uh, I'll be back at the end of the day. I'm going to need uh, 50,000 <laughs> copies of E.T. Yeah. And they ended up, you know, the big lore was they buried it in a uh, landfill, which they denied for years. But then there was a documentary a couple years ago where they dug them all they up found them. and they were selling like hotcakes on eBay. Like this damaged E.T. is going for six hundred dollars. They're like the fucking trash game that's trash you can get for I one ha- cent. I have some, yeah. Yeah, no well, shit. It doesn't have dirt on it, but... Exactly. Shit, Jim, why didn't we just put some dirt on our copies and put them on eBay? Exactly. We could have said it came from the landfill. I mean, it would have been the Gerard landfill, but still, <laughs> it's a landfill. The number one toy at this time, I remember having one as a little kid, the Glow Worm. Okay. Glow Worm was the number one oh, yeah. toy. Here's you saying worm's weird again. <laughs> Well, I Which said, is a good moment from the pulsing podcast. Well, how do once again? I don't think I say it weird at all. I consider worms worms, and you say worms because it's W O R M. Yeah, but you say it like W A R M. Well, I, I could be saying worms, <laughs> like Irish, like phonetic. Oh, I got that bit. Worms there. I crush you. I crush you like a worm. Worms, Roxanne. Worms. Worms. Kevin saw Roxanne for the first time in a long time. Oh, yeah. First time in a long time. First time time. in a long time. Grew up loving it. Same here. We're going to cover that movie because it's fucking crazy. It's so good. Kevin, I'm going to throw a little old school flavor back at you. We haven't done this in a very long time. For the 100th episode, we're going to bring it back. Kevin, it's the 100th episode celebration of what was going on with Alan Jackson in 1982. Yes. Yes. People started looking at me different, put me up on this pedestal like I was some kind of saint or something, you know, and I was like, man, I'm just a singer, simple song. Kevin, you'd be shocked to find out there wasn't much information about Alan Jackson in 1982. His first songs didn't hit to 89. However, I dug deep and I found out Alan Jackson first started writing country music in 1982. And that's your Alan Jackson update. Welcome back, Alan. I bet he played like high school volleyball or something. Had to have. I was just a singer, songwriter, volleyball player. And the fucked up thing is now, if you would find an Alan Jackson t-shirt at a flea market right now, you could probably flip it for $250. Like I want a NASCAR shirt real bad, but I'm not paying $1,100 for a Dale Earnhardt shirt. I'm sorry. I am not. Right now, Kevin, we're going to go very old school. Let's throw it over to MTV News. Hi. I'm Mark Goodman, and this is the news that rocked. Big music thing happened. The first compact discs, or CDs, if you will, were released to the public in Germany. Ooh. Which makes sense, because we gave them David Hasselhoff, even though we had him first. It's a good trade-off. We had some major television events in 1982. Kevin, professional wrestler Jerry the King Lawler, slaps actor Andy Kaufman, or as David Letterman would call it, Kaufman. Kaufman. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, As you can tell, Andy Kaufman is here, sort of. And uh, Jerry... Jerry Lawler is also here. And uh, is Andy, are you coming in here again or? I'm sick of this bullshit. You are full of bullshit, my friend. I will sue you for everything you have. I will sue your ass. You're a motherfucking asshole. As far as I'm concerned, you hear me? A fucking asshole. Late night with David Letterman. Kaufman responds by throwing coffee and shouting profanities at Lawler. The incident was later revealed to have been staged. This was such a work. Yeah, it was one of the biggest works ever. Probably say it is the biggest work ever because people were fooled to believe in that that was a legitimate fight. Controversial take. And then. Montreal screw job. Exactly. Is a bigger. Oh, yeah, that was pretty fucked up. 
Is it a work? Who knows? He'll probably go to Brett's grave. Exactly. I think it was two weeks later on SNL. It was Andy Kaufman's last appearance on Saturday Night Live. So boom, boom, Kaufman, huge time. The Superstation, Kevin, as most layman would know as WTBS, debuts one of the first video game TV series, Starcade. Hi, I'm Jeff Edwards. You know, there's some brand new words in the English language that people now speak every day. Words like Tron, Xevious, Zaxxon, Maffy. Well, actually, they're not just words. They're some of the marvelous new video games being played by millions of people all over the world. You can see all these games, the new ones, the old ones, and some you've never seen before on Starcade, TV's first video arcade game show. Starcade, Monday at 535 on Superstation WTVS. Which is one of the best arcade game shows. Probably the only arcade game show next to Nick Arcade. I was going to say, it's no Nick Arcade. Yeah, I'm sorry. We all love Phil Lamar, but Starcade was the one that topped it all off. It was the best. Also, the pilot episode for Cheers airs on NBC in 1982. Was Sam wearing a piece? Sam always had a good tube. He always did. I, like, I still can't believe that that's real. Blows my mind. Well, it, it's not real, but I can't believe all these years. I always thought his hair was real. It was such a good tube, unlike William Shatner and like Burt Reynolds. Horrible tubes. Into sports. George, welcome to episode 100. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the Sports Machine. Kevin, you'll love this little nugget. Howard Cosell denounces professional boxing during the broadcast of a WBC heavyweight championship bout between Larry Holmes. Now here's where the movie part comes in, Kevin, and a clearly outmatched Randall Tex Cobb at the Astrodome in Houston. Cosell horrified over the brutality of the one sided fight and said that if the ref did not stop the fight, he would never broadcast a professional fight ever again. So Randall Tex Cobb in collision course. Yes, we did. Randall Tex Cobb. Like we've brought this up before he's been in fucking everything yeah, it's crazy i saw that nugget i'm like i have to report on it baseball time kevin kevin and i used to be real big baseball fans and now it's almost virtually unbearable to watch outfielder joel youngblood becomes the only major league player to get two hits from two different teams in two different cities on the same day how did that happen he singles for the mets in chicago in the day game Traded after the game, then singles for the Expos in the Philadelphia night game. My first at bat, I get a base hit, knock in a run, and then I was taken out of the game. And I was like, wait a minute, I have a chance to have a good game here. <laughs> he said, you've just been traded to the Montreal Expos. They're short players. They would like you to do everything you can to get there. And I said, absolutely, I'll do my best. How? That's fucking insane. And to this day, he's still the only one to ever he's do it. He's the only one that's ever going to do it because exactly. I'm pretty sure they changed it. So you. We need you in Montreal. Let's go. And he had to play. Exactly. It's not like he got traded and got the day off. That's absolutely insane. I mean, there was some Guardians history. Yeah. Josh Naylor, first player to ever hit two three run homers in the eighth inning or later. And he, first player to post eight RBI after the eighth inning, eighth inning or later. A thing that really sucked, kind of. The number one movie in America at this time, Kevin, Friday the 13th, part three. Okay. Now, this was the Richard Brooker. Yeah. Jason wasn't a fan of it. This is when they went over the top of the 3D effects. You watch it now. Not really that great of a Friday the 13th movie. However, one thing was great. Your number one song in America. And it was featured in Rocky 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. Survivor Eye of the Tiger.
when I worked on a television show where I was the technical director and the, the switcher, I had a playlist to get everyone hype. And uh, I used to switch cameras to survive. I had the tiger by survivor. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. Switch all the cameras right on the, on the mark. It just, it was stupid. I don't know, but it's perfect though for the song. Yeah, it was great. And Kevin, that's all that was going on for this special 100th episode. Spectacular August the 13th, 1982. All right, let's surf into the plot. Hey, you guys had shirts on when you came in here. Well, something happened to him, man. <laughs> Come on, Spicoli, just put the shirts back on. You see that sign? No shirt, no shoes, no dives. <laughs> all right, learn it, know it, live it. Our movie takes place over the course of one school year in the Los Angeles area, primarily at school and at the mall. Brad Hamilton, I think is a popular senior, indicated by when he arrives at the first day of school driving his 1960 Buick LeSabre. He's the most awkward, most popular guy I've yeah. ever seen. He's not a popular personality. Because or, if this movie was like later 80s, he would have been the nerd. No, he's fast food guy. He's a fast food king. He's Kevin. a fast food king who doesn't play sports, anything like that. He drives like almost the equivalent of his dad's yeah, car. And then when he pulls in, everybody's like, you hear all the ADR, like, Brad, it's Brad. And you hear him go, ooh, looking good. He works at All American Burger and plans on breaking up with his girlfriend, Lisa, Ugh. so he can be single and ready to mingle for senior year. His well-laid plans are thrown for a loop. When he gets fired from All-American Burger, Lisa breaks up with him to date other guys, and he has to go work at Captain Hook's Fish and Chips <laughs> until he quits when Nancy Wilson from Heart laughs at him. Nancy Wilson in the car, who is married to Cameron Crowe. Yeah, how awesome. So, pretty cool. Brad has a younger sister, Stacy, who is 15. Stacy is friends with a mature senior, Linda. Post-mature. Who provides him with... Uh, What's uh, coffee? Provides her with sex and dating advice. How's it going? You want to take a table? Yes. Go for it. He's cute. Just take his order. Look him in the eye. He says anything remotely funny. Just laugh like you never heard anything so funny. And smile. Doesn't provide her with sex. Whoa. Provides her with <laughs> sex advice and dating advice. Hey, Stace, you going on break? I'm going to provide you with some sex and pizza. Would you like me to provide you with sex? Does anybody say that? I hope so. <laughs> I would fucking That's love like it. That's a mail order bride thing, right? Hey, how you doing? Would you like to have some sex? No. Would you like me to provide you with some sex? Would you like me to provide you with some sex? That's great. It's uncharted. <laughs> Stacy works at a mall pizza place where she meets a 26-year-old stereo salesman. Talk about a... Uh, <laughs> God. A dead profession, a stereo salesman salesman who wants to take her out she lies about her age she loses her virginity to ron in a baseball dugout mike damone is a hustler specifically in the form of a ticket scalper although he takes offense to the term scalper come on arnold all the other scalpers are sold out scalper did you call me a scalper listen gentlemen i perform a service here and the service costs money now do you want the tickets or don't you 
who thinks he knows everything about everything. In a way, he's very much the male counterpart of Linda. Isn't this great? Yeah. <laughs> His best friend is Mark Rat Ratner, who's very shy. Rat works at the movie theater in the mall across from the pizza parlor. Rat has a crush on Stacy, and Damone helps Rat ask her out. You ready for your moment of truth? You know, Damone, I noticed I was starting to get a pimple this morning. Rat, I thought maybe I... the shyness routine is really starting to aggravate. I mean, now, who is she anyways, right? She's a waitress in a pizza parlor. Now, look at her. Look at you, member of the honor roll, assistant to the assistant manager of the movie theater. I'm telling you, Rat, if this girl can't smell your qualifications, then who needs her, right? Right. All right. Right. How do you feel? I feel good. Do you? All right, now stop fucking around and go get her. They go on a date. They really like each other. But Rat's shyness gets the best of him when Stacy tries to make a move on him alone in her bedroom. She thinks that Rat's uninterested. And at school, she tells Damone that she likes him instead. Damone and Stacy end up having very quick sex in a pool house. I think that's an understatement about the quickness. And she gets pregnant. She asks that Damone cover half the cost of an abortion and give her a ride to the clinic. He agrees, but no shows when he can't come up with the money. She gets a ride from her brother Brad under the cover-up that she's going bowling, but he's there waiting for her after the procedure. He agrees not to tell their parents. However, Linda is furious and spray paints Damone's car and locker. I told you to tell Mike to pay for it. Why didn't you tell him? Linda, he didn't show up. That little prick. I called his house. And his mother told me that he was in the garage helping his father. Well, Mike Damone's a no-brain little prick, Stacy. I'm not going to let him get away with this. Linda, please don't do anything. I don't even like the guy. Stacy, he's not a guy. He's a little prick. This tips off Rat that something happened, and they get in a fight, Rat and Damone do. Yeah, he stands up for her. Look, I always stick up for you. Whenever people say, ah, oh, that, that Damone, he's a loudmouth, and they say that a lot. I always say, hey, you just don't know Damone. I mean, when they call you an idiot, I say, hey, Damone's not an idiot. You just don't know him. Well, you know something, man? Maybe they do know him pretty good. Maybe I'm just finding out now. Get lost. You want to do something about it, Brad? Come on, you want to do something about it? Come on. During all of this, we also have stoner Jeff Spicoli. Spicoli is known for always being late or not coming to class. And when he does, he causes a lot of disruption, like when he orders a pizza to be delivered to him during history. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Learning about Cuba, having some food. Mr. Spicoli, you're on dangerous ground here. You're causing a major disturbance on my time. You know, I've been thinking about this, Mr. Han. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? Certainly there's nothing wrong with a little feast on our time. You're absolutely right, Mr. Spicoli. It is our time. Yours, mine, and everyone else's in this room. At the end of the film, Rat and Stacy are dating, and somehow Rat and Damone make up and rekindle their friendship. Brad gets a job at a convenience store and is promoted to manager after thwarting a robbery. My shithead, let's go! Get out of my case, motherfucker! Hey, no towels, man. Ah! Ah! I got you, you son of a bitch. All right, Hal. 
Walter. There's an epilogue, which we find out Damone is busted scalping Ozzy Osbourne tickets and has to get a job at the 7-Eleven. Linda goes to college, moves in with her professor. Spicoli saves Brooke Shields from drowning and blows the reward money, booking Van Halen to play his birthday party. We get a couple others, too, like Mr. Vargas. He switches back to coffee. Now, good old Chiavelli. That uh, epilogue scene specifically was supposed to kind of take a shot at like American Graffiti. Yeah. Because at the end of American Graffiti, the epilogue kind of like actually gives like some weight to what happens to the character. They specifically wanted to be this to be kind of like mundane and throwaway. It's perfect, though. Yeah, I love it. It's really good. All right, let's move on to characters. Notice we reversed these. We have a reason we'll get to in a moment. Sean Penn as Jeffrey Jeff Spicoli. Christopher Reeve was considered. Can you imagine Superman? I cannot. Being Jeff Spicoli. No. Jennifer Jason Lee as Stacey Hamilton works at Perry's Pizza in the mall. In real life, Jennifer Jason Lee worked at Perry's Pizza for a month after being cast, but before filming began. Method actor. Yeah, I gotta love that. Her dad, Vic Morrow, was killed in the Twilight Zone movie helicopter incident three weeks before Fast Time was released. We've talked about that before. And Jodie Foster was considered for this role. Judge Reinhold as Bradley, Brad Hamilton. Sean Penn read for this role. Judge Reinhold, who looks exactly the same now, got the role because he was dating the director's best friend it helps to know he looked 40 at 24 and he still looks 40 at 64 (laughs) tom hanks was considered for this role he would have been perfect oh i would have loved it tom hanks would have been really great plus the notoriety of tom hanks he was on bosom buddies at the time yeah would have been really good robert romanis as mike damone in the screenplay and book he's a transfer student from philadelphia Makes sense. They don't go into that. He's more in New York than Philadelphia, though. Brian Backer as Mark Rat Ratner. Police Academy. Mm-hmm. Phoebe Cates as Linda Barrett. Justine Bateman turned this role down to star on Family Ties. Good. Melanie Griffith and Tatum O'Neill were considered. The backstory about this character is based... Backstory that this character is based on is is actually kind of sad. The real Linda was like a really bad kid who ended up ODing. Ray Walston as Mr. Hand. Scott Thompson as Arnold. Vincent Schiavelli as Mr. Vargas. Amanda Weiss as Lisa. D.W. Brown as Ron Johnson. Forrest Whitaker as Charles Jefferson. The person the Charles character was based on is maybe even sadder than Linda. He was a football player who was really only there to play football. He was only interested in playing football and he was not interested in being just anyone's black friend, which they kind of like hint at in the movie. Like yeah. Damone like tries to buddy up to him and stuff. He was a black student at predominantly like upper class white school. And he basically was like, I'm just here to put my four years in, do my football scholarship, get out. I don't want to be anybody's token black friend. Yeah. Just so they can say they have a black friend. Well, he ended up robbing a radio shack Ooh. and he lost his scholarship. So pretty sad. Kelly Maroney as Cindy. Tom Nolan as Dennis Taylor. Blair Ashley as Pat Bernardo. Eric Stoltz as Stoner Bud. Yeah. Auditioned for the role of Spicoli. Still made the cut. Stanley Davis Jr. as Jefferson's brother. Little brother. <laughs> James Russo as Robber. James Bershad as Greg. Nicholas Cage billed as Nicholas Coppola as Brad's Bud. You really only see him in the background. Yeah, at the fast food joint. Other minor appearances include Martin Brest, who soon after directed... Beverly Beverly Hills Hills Cop, Cop. Stu Nahan, he's in it, Taylor Negron, who 
Was he in nothing but trouble? In nothing but trouble. Exactly. He's the delivery guy. Uh, Pamela Springsteen, sister of Bruce. The so Lana Clarkson plays Vincent Chiavelli's wife was murdered by Phil Spector. She was the same age as Jennifer Jason Lee, who was playing a 15 year old. That's but insane. she's the wife of Vincent Chiavelli. So weird. Anthony Edwards. I don't think I caught him in. The He's show. in All American Burger. He's with Nick Cage and Eric Stoltz. Yeah, they're sitting there at the table. Okay, that's okay. it. Got it. And you see him come out of the van with their high school with all the smoke. He was in Top Gun and Revenge of the Nerds. Dr. Green. Yes, exactly. And then we mentioned Crow's wife, future wife, Nancy Wilson of the band Heart. All right, Jim, for this episode, we're not going to do which character made an impression, which non-lead character stole scenes. We're because they all did. Character power rankings. All right. So do you want to go one to 10 from best to worst, or do you want to go from worst to best? Let's go worst to best. All let's right. Drum, let's drum up a little. Now, drama. how many do you have? I have seven. Okay. So I have 10. So why don't I do my first three? Okay. And then I, and then we'll go back and forth. That works. And if there's overlap, if you've got a character on your list, we'll start discussing them. All right, let's go. Number 10, the worst character that I have listed, Arnold. Oh, he's a fucking prick. He begs Brad to get a job at All American Burger. Because it's the cool place to work. He's a cashier. Well, Brad's kind of showing him the ropes on everything, but he's cashier. Arnold has to take a piss, which forces Brad to have to deal with an irate customer. And then Arnold peeks out and sees it and then goes back in the bathroom, which ends up getting Brad fired. And Brad is your employee of the month. His picture's on the fucking yes, wall. It's like while he's getting fired, his picture's literally his right there. His girlfriend works there with him. Yeah. So Arnold is just a really shitty character who stabs his friend in the back. Number nine. You probably have higher than I do. Mike Damone. I have Damone. Yeah, just about a little bit more higher. Okay. Damone, I mean, piece of shit. He is what he is. He thinks he's like all knowing. He literally impregnates a girl. He then tells her you wanted it more than I did, which at least he takes back. True. And then he tells his friend like, well, she's an aggressive girl. Like he blames it all on her. Damone is the, and ulti- he's a ticket scalper. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. He's the ultimate sleaze bag. What, where'd you have him at? What number? I eight? have Damone at five, five. Okay. Number eight. I have Linda Barrett. Wow. I have Linda at four because she is maybe a liar. It's questionable why she hangs out with a 15 year old. I'll bring this up more when we get to logic but linda stood up for stacy more after the shit the moan pulled yeah then brad even fucking did i guess that's probably i i probably should have had her higher because plus she taught her a blowjob with a carrot in yeah, the cafeteria because she does yeah she probably earned some major points so maybe my rankings are flawed because she earned some major points for Going after Damone after Stacy asks. The thing that. I love about Linda too, and it's not just because of the actual pool scene. She has balls on her. Oh, she yeah. will fucking tell you if you're a piece of shit to your face and not even worry about the repercussions. Okay, so give us your number seven. My number seven is Mr. Hand. Mr. Hand, this dude goes way above and beyond. I have Mr. Hand number three. Really? Yes. Why I got him at seven. Now, let me say, like I said, he went above and beyond. Like he shows up at Jeff's house into his bedroom. I don't know why he has such a special liking for Spicoli. I can't imagine Ray Walston in his teenage years smoking reefer and kind of getting by. It's just weird. But the one thing that kind of that's what demotes him down for showing up in his bedroom. I find that just weird that a teacher would do that. It's weird, but I like it. And the way he holds a pizza. You took this much time off of me. I'm going to take it back off of you. It's cool. My number seven, Stacey Hamilton. Okay. Because she. I have Stacey number three. She's a bit of like a misguided kid. Like uh, she does have a job. 15. She has a job 
job, but she like, she kind of shitty that she rat is shy. Very shy. And rather than asking him or anything, she just literally tells his best friend. I like you asks his best friend to come to her house and then takes him in the pool house and stuff. Like part of this is like adjusting to high school and trying to fit in and do what you think is right. Yeah. Like the same thing with like, she lies to the 26 year old. Now I'm not saying I was like some angel at 15. Good old Ron Johnson. She lies to Ron and tells him she's older. And that could get him fucking busted. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, she's just a little, like what if she got pregnant off of Ron Johnson? But here's the thing I feel bad about Stacy. I got Stacy at number three. Their parents, Brad and Stacy's parents, just seem to be nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. They're v- like, she's the ultimate definition of a latchkey kid. If anything, Brad is more of a father figure to her as the older brother than her actual parents, who we have no idea what's going on. I don't with their know parents. if they're, does she say they're on vacation? Maybe, but shit. I mean, look how she's trying to get through. And I understand, you know, being a teenager, you're trying to find a place to fit in. You're awkward. But don't you think a mother would maybe give more guidance to her daughter where you can see the daughter starting to stray away a bit? I don't know. I mean, then it goes back to Linda. Thank God for Linda. Who is your number six? My number six is Jeff Spicoli. Okay. I get it. He's the stoner. He's the fun loving stoner. But what does he fucking contribute to anything except for just he's my number one. Really? I love Spicoli. Spicoli is this movie. And there was going to be a sequel. We'll talk about it later. The sequel is 100% in on Spicoli. I just think in the grand scheme of things, he's just there and everybody's like, well, it's Spicoli, yeah. you know. Oh, it's Jeff. And it's like, but what? What? Spicoli doesn't. He doesn't like. He has a fuck all attitude. Yeah. He just lives with yes. the waves, man. Right. In uh, the character Spicoli is based off of, I think I'm going to remember this right. If anybody's read the book, tell me if I'm wrong. The real character Spicoli is based off of. Everybody loved him at get school because he just was like a stupid goof. And then I think I don't think it was his parents that died. I think he was kind of shunned because some kids parents died and Spicoli made some sort of like offhand comment about the kids parents who died and everybody was like, no, you're done. Like, Really? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. My number six, Charles Jefferson. Okay. There's nothing bad. I mean, it's just like, he's not a a titular character or anything. Like he's a, I don't have him even ranked. We'll talk about it shortly, but like, uh, he gets a couple moments in the movie, but mostly he's just a, a a character that's there. That's sort of like at every school. Yeah. You know, he's like your star jock. Exactly. So my number five is Damone. He is what he is. And when you think he's going to take that turn and become better than what you think he is now, He's yeah. just a fucking piece of shit. He is. He's a piece of shit. I mean, that whole thing where he's like you brought up the whole abortion thing. Well, you wanted it more. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, man? You fucked yeah. up. You were there. And then when Arnold or Arnold, why do I keep saying Arnold? When Rat forgets his, his wallet at dinner, he asked Spicoli to bring it. And uh, Spicoli is like, I don't know. I'm really busy. You watching. mean Damone. What, what did I say? You said Spicoli. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've got Arnold and Spicoli here instead of Rat. <laughs> yeah. So when Rat asks Damone to bring his wallet. Damone's like, I don't know. I'm really busy. He's watching Leave it to Beaver. Exactly. So, and then he's real weird when he shows up. That whole relationship is very odd to me. Yes. I don't All know the relationships why. in this movie are odd. But those two Everyone are just. Everyone that's friends in this movie doesn't make sense. But then again, Rat would be the one to explain to his parents where his parents would be like, we don't want you hanging around yeah. him. You don't know him like I do, which right. he does that. Well, let's, uh, let's round these out so we can get to uh, some scenes before we give too much away. I have <laughs> number five. I have Mark Rat Ratner. He's shy. You know what I mean? He's just like a 15 year old kid. He's very shy. He works at the movies. Not a lot to say. Like, no, 
about. I mean, good or bad. He's just, like I said, he's a shy kid. He's trying to find a place to fit in. Yes. So my number four, I have Linda, the most adult member of this entire movie. Yes. I have four, Brad Hamilton, the fast food king. It's just his whole- Great title. Comedy of errors type of storyline is kind of funny. Okay. So my number three, I have Stacy. Okay. So I think that's, you know, a lot of this movie is based around Stacy yeah, and her she, coming of yeah, age. Yeah, her and Brad are really like the main characters. Yep. I had Mr. Hand number three because I just, I dig it. I like the whole, you know, just weird him making an example out of Spicoli all the time. And we love Ray Walston because, I mean, we covered him in Rad, the season five premiere. He's the one that you expect him to be like the prick, but in the end, he seems to be the good guy. Yeah, yeah he's a good guy. He's just... What's on a so my number two is uh got rat i just you feel for the guy he's just yeah. trying so hard to fit in it finds this girl that he thinks is way beyond his league they hit it off and he's stuck there i don't think i could put him higher because of how he holds his hands up to fight come on <laughs> you got mr hand pretty high look how he holds a pizza that's true Number two, Mr. Vargas. Oh, I love Mr. Vargas. It's insane that he takes the kids to like do a fucking autopsy. Just random. Just like, and then he, his whole thing is he, he switched to Sanka. He loves Sanka. My number one. Number one. Brad Hamilton. Okay. I love Brad. I would say he's the main character. Of the movie. I would say he's the main character. Like I said, he's the most weirdest choice for a popular character in a high school. People adore Brad. He's the all American nice guy, even though he's also the fast food king. I wonder if that has something to do with the book. I wonder if maybe Brad was an amalgamation of other characters and they like took a popular kid. It would make perfect sense. But then like switched him with like some kid who worked at fast food. Like he's earned everything he's got. So you got to yeah, love Brad. It just makes no sense. He's popular. And then my number one is number one. Jeff Spicoli. So with that said, let's find out which scenes made us splash you see what i did there yes jim i think we have to say it together <laughs> it's the number one by far the pool scene oh my god we've been building up to 100 episodes for the scene we named the show after it is the famous phoebe cates taking her bikini top off do you want to go ahead and set the stage for the scene You know how cute I always thought you were. Brad just fucking said, screw this. I'm not dressing like a pirate anymore. Sees Nancy Wilson, quits his job, comes back to the house. Stacy and Linda poolside. Yeah. Brad has had this crush on Linda. You don't really hear it or he doesn't, but you can tell. Yeah, sure. Linda's wearing a red bikini. He notices her. He goes in the bathroom and starts. I mean, every fucking guy to this scene, myself included, goes in the bathroom and just starts fantasizing about her. So his fantasy specifically is Phoebe Kate climbing out of the pool, slow motion to our theme song, Cars Moving in Stereo. Yes. And then in slow motion, she unclasps the front of her bikini. And there they are. And exposes herself. She wasn't 18 at the time. She was very nervous to do the nude scene. And she put up a big fight about, she was afraid the neighbors would see. And they were like, you're about, a million people are about to see you topless. You're worried about the neighbors. What are you worried about the neighbors for? I've listened to some podcasts with Amy Heckerling. And at the time, there was this expectation where when the studios were signing on to films, and Porky's probably had something to do with this. I would say so. Signing films, it was like, well, you've got to show three pair of tits. Or you've got, 
but like it was like contractually obligated. There's a boob for minimum. a movie. Yeah, exactly. So, but then she's exposed herself, and Brad is just pump chumping away in the bathroom. Cut back to real life. She gets water in her ear. She goes in the bathroom. Door is unlocked. Yeah. Everybody has made this accident of not locking the door. Your parents come in, whatever. She comes in, notice he's beaten off, and he says one of the best lines in the movie. Can anybody fucking knock anymore? So her reaction to that scene was genuine. He brought a big dildo to set. <laughs> so when he is there, like, beaten off, and she walked in. He's stroking a big dildo. Yeah, and she sees the big dildo, so her reaction so yeah i mean we literally named the pool scene podcast is named after the pool scene scene in fast times at ridgemont high exactly kevin what do you got next i don't know why are you continuously late for this class mr spicoli why do you shamelessly waste my time like this oh no i like that I don't know. That's nice. Mr. Han, will I pass this class? Gee, Mr. Spicoli, I don't know. That's nice. I really like that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave your words on this board for all my classes to enjoy. Giving you full credit, of course, Mr. Spicoli. Spicoli being brought into Mr. Han's class. Open shirt, bagel in the front of his pants. (laughs) Why, I don't know. He just has a bagel. Tucked into the front of his jeans. Reeking a weed. Mr. Hand demands an explanation for Spicoli's action. And his answer is, <laughs> I don't know. And then Mr. Hand writes it on the chalkboard and says he's leaving it up for all of his classes. I don't know. And he just sits back and just admires it. <laughs> I'm going to use that from now. I'm going I'm to keep it up there for all my classes. So good. And he thinks it's a compliment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just something about, I mean, me and Jamie Grant watched this movie a bunch and something about the bagel in the front of his pants. is just so funny to me. Literally a, a bagel just tucked into his jeans. I love it. It's so random. My next one is Damone giving Rat data advice how to take Stacy out, what he should do. First of all, Rat, you never let on how much you like a girl. Or baby. Hi. Two, you always call the shots. Kiss me. You won't regret it. Now three, act like wherever you are, that's the place to be. Isn't this great? Four, when ordering food, you find out what she wants, then order for the both of you. It's a classy move. Now, the lady will have the linguine and white clam sauce and a Coke with no ice. And five. Now, this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out. Whenever possible, put on side one of Led Zeppelin Four. Stand in front of the record store. It's his five-point plan. I think who Debbie is... Debbie Harry. Blonde. Debbie Harry, that's who it is. And he's literally using her as a fucking analog of what to do. But the one thing that fucking caps it all off, he's like, if you want to seal the deal, take side one of Led Zeppelin 4, and it's cashmere. And that was what kicks it off. But he's literally standing there in the middle of the mall conversing with a Debbie Harry cutout. Standy, yeah. Cut yeah, out. love it. All right, my, I love this scene. When I watched this with my wife, she'd never seen all of it or seen it in order or whatever, but uh, she loved this too. She's like, so smart. Bacoli driving star football player Charles Jefferson's car. I have this too. While he's high. So Jefferson's car means everything to him. It's a 1979 Chevy Camaro Z28. Beautiful. While he's out of town, Spicoli totals it while riding around with Jefferson's little brother. My brother's gonna kill us. He's gonna kill us. 
He's gonna kill you and he's gonna kill me. He's gonna kill us. Hey, man, just be glad I had fast reflexes. My brother's gonna shit. Make up your mind, dude. Is he gonna shit or is he gonna kill us? First he's gonna shit, then he's gonna kill us. Relax, all right? My old man is a television repairman. Got this ultimate set of tools. I can fix it. Can't fix this car, Smokali. I can fix it. For being a huge stoner, Spicoli does the smartest thing ever. He spray paints the wrecked car in front of the school to make Jefferson think that rival high school team Lincoln did it. Perfect. It's like Lincoln rules or like whatever. They yeah. just like they park the destroyed car out front. They spray paint it. This leads to Jefferson pretty much playing the greatest football game ever. He has like 25 sacks. They win 42 to nothing. But it's like we get this football almost like montage scene of Jefferson just absolutely killing these guys. They're carrying him away on stretchers. They're convulsing on the field because Jefferson thinks that they, which notice the sign that says assassinate Lincoln. Yeah. It's like, Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's a little touch. Well, granted it happened. There are two lines throughout that scene. I love the most. He crashes a car. I got a great set of tools. Yeah. It's like fuck is Macaulay. And then his brother's like, he's going to shit. He's going to kill us. And he's like, well, what is he going to do? Is he going to shit or is he going to kill us? Fitz is going to shit. And then he's going to kill us. I lose it every damn time. Yeah, I love it. Really funny. So my next one where I brought it up, Linda teaches Stacy how to give a blow job in the yeah. middle of the cafeteria and everybody watches. You've never given a blow job? Never? Stace, there's nothing to it. It's so easy. Come on. You got to check it out. Sure. Relax your throat muscles. Don't bite. Just slide it in. Slowly, in and out. Okay. Can I ask you something and you promise not to laugh? Sure. When a guy has an orgasm, how much comes out? A quarter so. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just practice. She's not concealing this. Nope. They fillet a carrot. I'm like, where are the teachers to go? Whoa, you got to stop. Because all these guys, of course, yeah. hormonally charged guys, I'd be watching it too. I'm, and she's you might have came. Might have came in your Oh, pants. I would have made multiple comes. There's no doubt in my mind about it. But holy shit, was it hot. I have Mr. Hand showing up at Spicoli's house to get back the eight hours of time that Spicoli wasted by so weird. teaching him history. Mr. Hand. Well, uh, were, you, uh, were you going somewhere tonight, Jeff? Yeah, graduation dance. It's the last school fiesta of the year. Hmm, well, I'm afraid we've got some business to discuss here, Jeff. Did I do something wrong, Mr. Hand? According to my calculations, uh, Mr. Spicoli, uh, you wasted a total of uh, eight hours of my time this year. And rest assured, that is a kind estimate. Now I have the unique pleasure of squaring our account. Spicoli's getting ready to go to the school dance. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Is Spicoli a senior? Is he a freshman? <laughs> I feel like he's been held back three years. I have no idea. Because that's, again, the, the pairs that congregate in this movie are a little weird. But uh, so Spicoli, he he just, he's either late or he's doesn't come at all or he's always got some sort of disruption. He orders a pizza to class. Yeah. It's always something. So Mr. Han estimates that Spicoli wasted about eight hours of his time. So he shows up 
up at his house and he's like, I'm going to get eight hours of your time. And it's funny because at the end, Spicoli sort of gets it. I think I've made my point with you tonight, huh? Mr. Han, do you have a guy like me in class every year? You know, a guy who you make an example of? You'll find out next year. No way. As soon as I cruise history, I'm not coming near your side of the building. Cruise history? As soon as I pass your class. <laughs> if you pass. Well, you're going to flunk me? Don't worry, Spicoli. You'll probably squeak by. Yeah. <laughs> Aloha, Mr. Han. Aloha, Spicoli. <laughs> yeah, he does. And Mr. Han's like, all right, good enough. Basically tells him you do have a brain after all. Spicoli leaves, go to the dance. But it's just insane. You just see Mr. Han walk in Spicoli's bedroom. I love when Brad loses it on a customer when Arnold's taking a long yeah. piss. Yep. I am so tired of dealing with incompetence. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kick 100% of your ass. Uh, is there a problem here? Can I help you, sir? You bet you have a problem. Your employee here used profanity and threatened me with violence. I'm surprised. I eat here all the time and usually have good service until today. All I wanted was my money back on this breakfast. It was a little undercooked. And he threatens me with violence. Now, I'm going to call your supervisor. Uh, I can take care of it. Mr. Hamilton, did you threaten this customer or use profanity in any way? Uh, what? He insulted me first. He called me a moron, Dennis. Answer me. Did you threaten this customer or use profanity in any way? Yes. You're fired. I'm very sorry, sir. I'll refund your money right now. Hope you won't hold this against us. You know how these young kids are these days. Perhaps another breakfast? I hope you had a hell of a piss, Arnold. If that, any, now that guy is about the worst actor ever. Oh, he's fucking horrible. He's, it was a little undercooked. But he ate it. He ate it. And I've talked about this on a podcast. My mom kind of pulled a stunt like this. God rest her soul. When she ate an entire steak and then proceeded to tell her server it wasn't cooked enough. And he was like, ma'am, you ate it. And I start yelling at my mom like, what the fuck do you want him to do? You ate it. Every person has dealt with this especially if you're working in a restaurant industry like i have these assholes are around all the time and the person that fucked up like it's a perfect scene don't fucking piss off go somewhere else and somebody else takes the fall because he's like the employee of the month and then his fucking boss who is he is a perfectly casted role for that but the line the line is so great because it's like don't you know what guaranteed means you moron it says 100 percent guaranteed he's like mister if you don't stop i'm gonna (laughs) kick 100 percent of your ass and then he says, did you use profanity and threaten him with violence? And he goes, yeah, yeah. Dennis. Yeah. It's- and then Arnold, hope you enjoy your piss, Arnold. Yeah, that's the best. So that breakfast, I think with inflation, well, I don't know about current inflation, but inflation as of like before this shit, it makes that breakfast about $7 and 50 cents. Oh, so he wants seven fifty yeah, back. Please. For his- it was a little undercooked. That guy's a terrible actor. All I need are some tasty waves and a cool buzz, and I'm fine. You worked at All American Burger. Seven months ago. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. Why don't you get a job, Spicoli? What for? You need money. <laughs> All I need are some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. Thanks. Can I use your bathroom? Yeah, go ahead. Brad now works at a convenience store. 
He's having a chat with Spicoli right before a guy comes in and robs the store at gunpoint. The robber is distracted by Spicoli for a second coming out of the bathroom and Brad thwarts the robbery attempt with hot coffee. So awesome. It's and that's pretty much what Spicoli yeah. does. Whoa. Like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, so Brad gets promoted to manager for doing so. It's a kind of an awesome scene in the movie. And I would be remiss not to bring up when Jefferson orders tickets off the moan for his little brother. I've quoted this line. I don't know how many times, but I'm going to do it for this because it makes sense. Well, when are those Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets coming in? Earth, Wind, and Fire? Jeez, uh, I haven't heard anything, but the, the minute I do, I'll let you know. So you know, I'm planning on taking my little brother away. Is that your little brother? <laughs> He's a good-looking kid. Uh, great. Charles Jefferson for Earth, Wind, and Fire and little brother. And I'll let you know when they come around, okay? So Damone says, and I quote, Okay, we got two tickets for Earth, Wind, and Fire for Jefferson and Little Brother. It almost sounds like Marky Mark. I apologize, but that fucking line is so good. I love Damone. All right. Well, we know that there's definitely a pool in this one. Literally the pool scene. Yes. So with that said, why don't we get out of the pool and take our, take our tops off? gentlemen? Start your boners. One of the reasons that this movie is iconic is for how it uses music throughout its scenes. We'll cover it here in a moment, but four of the characters in this movie kind of have their own theme songs, essentially. I Don't Know by Jimmy Buffett for Spicoli, Moving in Stereo by The Cars for Linda, Somebody's Baby by Jackson Brown for Stacy, and Waffle Stomp by Joe Walsh for Brad. So for our pool check, we are going to cover the top five music moments from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Now, I think this is the first time ever that we did a pool check for something within the movie that we're covering. It's the first time. So pretty interesting. Who wants to kick it off? All right, I'll go. Number five, the end credit scene with Oingo Boingo. <laughs> Boingo Boingo is a staple of 80s movies. We covered it with Bachelor Party. You can't have an 80s movie without Oingo Boingo. Another one we need to cover. Back to school. Oingo Boingo party scene. Yes, it's awesome. My number five, it was right before Goodbye Goodbye. It's So In Love by Timothy B. Schmidt. It's while Stacy waves at Rat from across the mall. That's like what rekindles and reconnects them. Love that scene. Yeah, that probably not the best version of that song. It's so in love and you see her wave. Yeah, that's a great scene. Brad in a pirate outfit. It's Waffle Stomp by Joe Walsh. Yeah. It's so perfect, man. It's just that great fed up scene where you realize, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I'm making contact with this chick who I think is digging me. But then I realize she's laughing at me because I look fucking ridiculous. It's such a good statement for everybody has shit jobs. And it's just a good 
fucking perfect theme for Brad. Is, I love it. Is cocaine the reason that's called waffle stomp? I always thought now in the literal sense from what I know, and it's probably wrong. A waffle stomp is when you take a shit in the shower and you stomp it into the drain. Wait, wait. I've heard that referred to as what? a waffle stomp. That's interesting. Because it cuts through the, the drain floor. The more you know. Spicoli's showing up at the dance to perform Wooly Bully with the live band. So cool. So funniest thing about this is they pull up in the van, they open the door, you see Eric Stoltz and Spicoli get out and you see all the smoke come out. Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. And Sean Penn asked the director if he could drink some beers. And she was like, okay, just this one scene, that's it. They smoked real pot. It's authentic. It's authentic when they're getting out of the van. So he goes into the school dance and pretty much goes into the dance. I know this song. Straight on stage, they have they have a, a high school or not a high school band, well, uh, like a yeah. wedding band, whatever, yeah. performing at the at the dance. And Spicoli gets up on stage and sings "Wooly Bully," and no one throws him off like the girl trying to get in the cage at UFC. <laughs> Which is one of the best. Wasn't even a spear; it was a push Stop off. Stop doing that shit, you fucking idiot! What is wrong with people? And like, I would fucking throw her friends out for filming it. Yes, this girl. Long story short, this girl basically says, "I'm gonna get in the octagon," and it's on TikTok, and it's on TikTok, and she runs down the aisle, climbs up on the octagon, and just gets pummeled by a security guard who just get like Fresh Prince throws her, yeah, right off the octagon. My next one. How can you not? Every time I hear this song, I'm like, "Oh my god, it's Sex in the Dugout. It's somebody's baby." Yeah. I, Oh, my God. The type of thing, it's like, I would never want to have sex to this song because it's just like, oh, it's just like, why is this happening? I feel bad for Ron Johnson because he's been fucking lied to. Yeah. Because he even verifies. Are you really 19? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm really 19. Brad washing his car to Raised on the Radio by the Ravens. Yes. They use this one, too, during the scene of Damone avoiding Stacy in the hallway. Raised on the radio, just an all-American boy. I've got my favorite toy. I was raised on the radio. The director was convinced that this was going to be a big hit. She wanted to use it in the opening credits, which they went another direction, but great song, but didn't, you know, right choice to not use it in the opening credits. Brad Stacy in the car on the date, Cashmere by Led Zeppelin, who for the longest time, I got them confused with Def Leppard. This is a nice car. Yeah, it's my sister's. Yeah? Do you have my sister or yeah, yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah, she is pretty good. I have a, a, you've mentioned this a couple times now. I have a big logic portion to mention with that, which we'll get to later. But it is kind of funny to watch Rat think he needs to play Led Zeppelin and Stacy, I don't think, is into it at all. It's the most awkward car ride ever because they say nothing. Listen to the cashmere rip. <laughs> so somehow on my list, I have two number threes. So I apparently have six picks. So my second number three. <laughs> 3A is American Girl by Tom Petty for the first day of school. Well, she was an American girl. 
My favorite Tom Petty song by far. Fantastic song. Due to copyright issues, some releases of Fast Times, as well as like some TV viewings, has this like generic funk song. <laughs> it's real weird. It, it completely like sucks. It sucks because I don't know what it was, but there's something with the, the copyrights can only be used. I'm going to have to look releases. at my copy because I don't even recall. Yeah. American Girl, great song. Iconic. Probably maybe the best Tom Petty song. But yeah, it's it's really funny. Or I don't know, not funny. <laughs> fucking American Girl's hilarious. I was thinking funny because I was like, what if it was Last Dance of Mary Jane? It just makes sense to the tempo. play Last Dance of Mary Jane over the first day of school. One more time to kill the pain. So what's your number two then? My number two is the cars moving in stereo during the iconic pool scenes. My number one. It's our theme to our podcast. Come on. It's the the portion of the song they use, which is the same portion we use for opening credits. It's so iconic. The Cars are such a great band. That part is awesome. They I, I they hit such a home run with that part. I totally agree. That was my number one. So, Kevin, what is your number one? It's Somebody's Baby by Jackson Brown. Yeah. You know, Ernest Hemingway would always like, if he mentioned it was raining, you knew like somebody was going to die. There was always like a bad scene. So in this movie, anytime they play Jackson Brown, somebody's baby, it foreshadows like the awful things that are going to happen to Stacy. So this, to me, this is the song I most relate to this movie. So like when somebody says Fast Times at Richmond High, it's weird because I don't think of cars moving in stereo. I think of this, of Jackson Brown, somebody's baby. I agree. So one of those awful things that happens to Stacy, losing her virginity in a dugout, under surf Nazis graffiti. And then they bring it back again when she makes the mistake of fucking Damone in the pool house. This is like Stacy's poor decision theme song. So another interesting music note about the dugout scene is that you can see spray painted in the dugout. Disco sucks. Yeah. This is a reference to Disco Demolition Night, which we've talked about here on <sighs> some episodes. Okay, so let's mention uh, some of the ones that didn't get mentioned. The opening credits montage at the mall to We've Got the Beat by the Go-Go's. Amy Heckerling was a little incorrect about how big of a hit Raising on Radio would be because We've Got the Beat by the Go-Go's was that Huge. Day. Belinda Carlisle. Sleeping Angel by Stevie Nicks when Damone is trying to get money for his half of the abortion and when Stacy's waiting for him to show up and give a ride to the clinic. How fucked up is that, by the way? How many people does he still need to collect money on? In a way, Damone's kind of a nice guy that he's basically giving fucking free tickets to people. Well... But, what the yeah, fuck? but Damone, again, it's like that high school thing. It's like these decisions can be justified by these are high school kids. Yeah. So it's like, that's just dumb by Damone that people, he's like, well, I didn't have the money then. I'll have it Thursday. And he's like, I gave you the tickets when you needed them. Exactly. Speeding by the Go-Go's at the beginning of the worst day of Damone's life. Linda spray paints prick on his car and locker. <laughs> and then Rat calls him out and tries to fight him in the locker room. And what does he say in that scene? I woke up in a good mood. Such a douche. Uh, I don't know by Jimmy Buffett during Mr. Hand's final exam. And I think that was, I think that's all of them. And we covered it. Let's put our tops back on. Get back in the pool. Doesn't anybody fucking knock anymore? Man, I'm never going to talk to those guys again. I'm the one who got Arnold and Dave their jobs there in the first place. If you'd apologize to Dennis, I'm sure he'd take you back. Fuck Dennis Taylor. I'm not going to apologize to that wimp. 
In Fast Times, the mall scenes were filmed at Sherman Oaks Galleria. Other mall scenes filmed at this mall were Valley Girl, Night of the Comet, Commando, Back to the Future 2, Terminator 2, Phantom of the Mall 2, Eric's Revenge, Walk Like a Man, Inner Space, and perhaps the best, Chopping Mall. Sherman Oaks Galleria was damaged by an earthquake in 1994, stood until 1998, and then it became sort of this like the modern like warm city open concept open air open air mall so yeah so it kind of lost its its iconic status in a way so my critical question very open-ended do you have any sentimental memories or stories about the mall growing up yeah i have a couple eastwood mall was our home mall here uh right outside of niles ohio i grew up in niles you grew up Essentially Warren. a town over, yeah. Warren Hallen. So essentially a town over. We had the Eastwood Mall, which in some way is physically in Niles, but then it's like has Warren and Hallen addresses. The township or lines are so fucked. It's really weird. But then also about 20 minutes, you know, 10 miles maybe, maybe not even, there is the Southern Park Mall, in which Borman. was always seen as like the nicer mall. Yeah. Although now, I'd say Eastwood's probably the nicer mall. It's the more sustainable mall complex. The last carpeted mall. Well, the bullshit about Eastwood Mall Complex is they consider the stuff outside and around the mall part of the mall. mall. Right. And it's not. So back in the day when, you know, I remember going to the Eastwood Mall, that's where you went to socialize back in the day. I know a lot of you youngins out there had to be like, oh my God, you socialize the mall? Yeah. Parents would drop you off for like five or six hours. You hang out with your friends. Most of the time, you don't buy shit. You hang out. There were seating pits, yep. which were awesome. You hang out in the seating pits. Maybe you get a hot Sam, Orange Julius, whatever. You could smoke in the mall back in the day. I remember you could oh, smoke great. anywhere. I'm not saying that's a great thing, but you could smoke in the mall back in the day. I can remember specifically when my parents first started dating. I've talked about this before. My now dad, after he legally adopted me, took me to see Back to the Future Part 2, as Kevin just referenced, this mall was featured at, at the Twin Cinemas inside the mall. A lot of malls back then had movie theaters in the mall. I loved it. So Awesome. That was like murderers, bro, because you had, if you came in from the main entrance and, and kept walking straight, there was like literal snack bar. Yes. It was just generic snack bar. That's all it was. To the left of that, there was Woolworths. You could cut through Woolworths. And get to the other side of the mall. Get to the other side of the mall is fucking awesome. It was, it was a shortcut cut off a whole corner. You'd come out of the other side of Woolworths. There was a McDonald's. Yes. And a movie theater right there. It was awesome. And then I can remember at the other entrance of the mall, there was the seedy or dark arcade that my mom would not let me get yeah, anywhere yes, near. There was two arcades and there was the cleaner arcade down right by where target yeah. uh, Funland arcade. Yep. So there were so many. Oh, so your mom thought the one by the main entrance was the, the seedier the, one. Okay. So I went to the one that was more like, Oh, there's not that many people down at this arcade. Cause the fucking yeah. game sucked in it. Yeah. So I went to that arcade, but every now and then I would sneak into I the bad arcade. playing, you know, like a play choice, oh, Tyson's God. bunch out, John Elway's football at the one, which is now this is where Gadzooks. Well, and, and then it was like a Ruby Tuesday forever. Yeah. And then get your Jenkos. Is it Fuddruckers? It's now, now it's, Permantis. But is it Permantis from where you walk in? Not really. Oh, they not anymore. Off, and then the, the food court's up. And then above them all on the top floor it used to be Antone's restaurant. Then it became Pocket Change Park, yeah. which is your equivalent of David Buster's. Then yes. it became Kahunaville. Yes. Our mall was awesome. I loved. You mentioned your parents would drop you off. So me, friend Ryan and Bill would pretty much go to the mall every day. Now I got cut out of that sometimes because I would have like soccer practice. Yeah. Play sports. 
our friend Morgan would be there. Sometimes Jamie Grant, sometimes our friend Scott who lived across the street from Ryan. We didn't have cell phones at the time. So everybody just communicate through AOL instant messenger. Okay. Yeah. And then you get on AOL instant messenger. You'd communicate. You'd have to arrange whose parents were bringing you. We'd pretty much get picked up from school at like 2.45, get dropped off at the mall. And you're there for five and hours. And it was like, your parents, yeah, your parents would just be like, come back at eight or come back at nine and get us. And you just make it work. It was awesome. You'd be I, in the mall for five or six hours. That's where I took my driver's ed was in the mall. Yeah. It was upstairs. literally a week long. And then by the end of the weekend, the, the fucking licensing, when you got, I got my license in 96, 95, so much easier to get a license back then. Yeah. Plus what was cool, fucking National Record Mart was an awesome record store and Waves Music was great. There oh, were so Suncos? many. Suncos? Koenig's KB toy store. Yep. Toys R Us was initially almost adjacent to the mall. Yeah. Awesome. You go to KB, you get different shit at KB. And of course I brought this up before in case you guys forgot it's where I had my first ever sexual fantasy in my mind where I wanted to have sex on a waterbed in fabulous Goldstein's in Eastwood mall. Now, and which led to our conversation about Chopping Mall, which was filmed in the uh, Sherman Oaks Galleria. So we pretty much got to know all of those stores because when you get dropped off at the mall for like six hours, yeah. you pretty much just go in and out. Of you loiter like fucking crazy. Go, we knew everyone. We exactly. knew everyone at the mall. We knew like everyone that worked at every store. We knew like what every store had. Oh, I know Ted down at Suncoast. Yeah. It was and great. It's like. It's so weird to think about. And we, we did that so much. Like, so, and then there were, there would be like, I remember one time there was like almost this huge brawl because our one friend, Donnie, he like said something like this kid was like looking ass. I don't know. Donnie said something to him. He gathered a bunch of his friends. There was about to be like a Braveheart style fight. <laughs> And going to the mall every day and knowing everyone paid off in our favor because we were like pretty much cornered and trapped. Meanwhile, Donnie, the one who got us into all this, he went down one of those employee only like, oh, hallway tunnels yeah. and got a ride and left and left us. He pulled an Arnold. Yeah, exactly. He pulled an Arnold. I hope you had a hell of a piss, Arnold. I could fight, but like, I didn't think we really stood a chance with this many people. I mean, we were going to get like our asses kicked. There were like three or four of us, 15 or 20 of them. And they were like, whatever the security guard who we just knew because he knew we were there, but not causing any trouble. We were just loitering. We weren't doing anything stupid. He saved our asses and he kicked all those guys out of the mall and like banned them. Meanwhile, we were like there the next day. How awesome was that? Yeah, it was great. Uh, Pocket change park having mortal Kombat trilogy arcade and rides. And like, I'm still pissed because i accumulated tickets and coins probably could have got a guitar or something and guess what the fucking place went yeah. out of business and who still has all the tickets and coins this Same guy does thing. my mom had a dresser with like a mirror on top and i remember for a long time on top of it there was just like rubber banded bricks of tickets that ridiculous. we were saving up for like who knows what i'd always play that lighted ticket game where yeah. the light goes around you try to hit the middle and get yeah. the max tickets but, get a uh, racer i think everybody that grew up around the mall and like i just hate the kids will never experience something like that well if you go to the southern park mall now it's dreadful i went through there last week i fucking never ever want to go to there's a mall no again. one there it's like, horrible there's no one there and then like the eastwood mall is the better mall i never it thought is. it'd be true but like i think the eastwood mall is better than the uh and then you're really into like dead malls big time which are just like dan bell aces adventures on youtube it's amazing yeah just it's real fascinating i i try like if i'm somewhere that there's a mall i try and go shenango valley mall okay. don't go there carnation mall 
Yeah, Carnation Mall, which is bizarre. And then the um, Ashbeela Town Center. South Park Mall. Manor, I was just at Manor's Mall yep. a couple weeks ago. Great Lakes Mall. Yeah, Great Lakes Mall. There you go. So, yeah, let us know what your mall stories are. Yeah, we'd love Reach that. Out and, and let us know. So, with that said, someone that kind of sounds like Damone, Mr. David McCall. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. I can totally hear him saying that to Stacy. Start off a logic. I'll, I'll start. Maybe it's something with California, but this movie isn't in order. This all takes place in one school year from basically right before the first day through the end of school. We see the first day of school and then it leads up. We see Christmas, but then after Christmas, we see high school football. High school football usually happens in the fall. Yeah. So unless in California, the high school football happens in the spring for some reason. I think they fucked that one up. Football happens after Christmas. Yeah. I don't understand. Because God forbid if you would get injured. Yeah. You're supposed to have it in the fall. You get injured. You can rest up in the spring and still be eligible for a college scholarship. Right. So even if they went deep into the playoffs, it would be over by Christmas. Pretty much. So weird. My big point of contention is how in the hell does Brad not kill Damone after the whole abortion? Exactly. He's very mellow about it. I would fucking find Damone and snap his fucking neck. Why does he forgive him? It's like, oh shit, it happened. Especially, Sorry. Especially because Rat is now dating Stacy. It's just going to be cool to bring him around. Like, what the hell, Brad? Grow a like, set. Hey, Stacy, do you want to go to the mall and That's hang out with... Isn't us great? Hang out with Damone, who you had to abort his baby. It's so fucked up. And Brad is the popular kid in school. Him fucking putting his foot down against Damone would add up so much. But no, it's Linda who's standing up yeah. for her. Why do people buy tickets off Damone and not like Ticketmaster? How did Ticketmaster work in 82? I'm assuming you would just have to call. Well, there had to have been somewhere you could have bought tickets. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, because look at Dazed and Confused. Yeah. You know, they were all going in the morning to line up for Aerosmith tickets or whatever. They maybe had to go out, drive to the city to do it. I don't understand this Los Angeles area. There are probably a lot of places that sold tickets. Why do people rely on Damone? Yeah, it's so odd. Unless tickets. he gets it at like a discounted rate. But then again, we don't know the legitimacy of these fucking tickets to begin with. So there's a deleted scene. You were talking about Ron Johnson earlier. Yeah. There's a deleted scene where Ron Johnson sends flowers, which that might be in the movie where he sends flowers to Stacy, but he tries to call her house and her mom answers the phone. And I'm pretty sure her mom. Oh, there they are. Reveals that Stacy's at like some high school function or something. This is his car. I know he's at work tonight. Stacy. He hasn't come into Paris since he called my house. My stupid mother told him I was still in high school. Oh, come on, Stace, just forget about him. What if I wrote a note and told him I was 15? Oh, don't you dare. Stacy, he's an idiot. So that's when Ron realizes okay. she lied. And that's why when she's like, he never, you know, he stopped talking to me or whatever. They cut that from the movie, which is fine because then it just comes off that Ron was like only in it for sex. Yeah. A huge one. And this is maybe more of a, another critical question. Is Linda's boyfriend, Doug fictional? It sure as hell seems like or it. Does she make him up for clout or is he real? I always thought she made it up for clout because she sounds like she's the one that has her shit together. Secretly, she doesn't. No, it's not all golden star shines, you know, golden star shines. Yeah, yeah, it's a new one. Yeah, I think that Doug might not exist because you see like hints where Stacy asks Linda, she says, how long does Doug last? And she says 30 or 40 minutes. And she goes, Doug takes forever. Uh, he takes um, like 20 to 30 minutes. I thought you said he took 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I meant 
30 to 40 minutes. Why? How long did Damone last? And she was like, oh, 20 to 30 minutes. And she's like, oh, that's pretty good for a high school boy. And she's like, I thought you said he lasted 30 to 40. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's 30 to 40. She's good caught in lies all the time. And so either she actually does date Doug and she's just lying about how good everything is or he doesn't exist. Because Stacy thinks that, you know, she has it all together, that she's the one who has the perfect boyfriend, the perfect sex life. Yeah. Fucking 30 minutes. Jesus Christ. That'd be like five sandwiches for me. So my big one by far is how the hell does Spicoli get Jefferson's wrecked car back to the school so Jefferson can see it all fucked up? Who does he know? to get a wrecked car in front of the high school. I I thought about that. I'm like, unless he was able to drive it wrecked, I don't know where that was in proximity to the high school. It had like bricks and shit all over it. Yeah, I don't know. Unless he was able to drive it wrecked. Exactly. How did they tow it to the high school? Unless he found a tow truck driver, he gave him weed, and he said, get this to the high school and spray paint it. He's a genius. He's an actual genius. Hey, what else you got? Damone's offended by being called a scalper, but he's literally a scalper. That's what he is. Rat, on the first day of school, somehow gets himself absolutely covered in gum. (laughs) In the locker. It's like all over himself, all over his sweater. It's bad. How? Stacy and Linda giving the carrot blowjobs at lunch. Ugh. This scene was originally written to take place in a hot tub while both actresses were nude. Can you imagine that? Oh, they changed it to avoid an X rating. So there were a lot of things in this movie that they had to tow around because they were afraid of the X rating, which is one of them was there was a full nude scene with showing Damone's rig. They cropped it so that you wouldn't see his rig. Again, why you're allowed to see like female full frontal and female topless. I feel like we saw more in Porky's and Porky's was an R rated movie. Yeah. What the hell? Don't know. But yeah, so the carrot blowjob thing, it's like, did they not care that anyone was watching or did they just not think about it? Or like, I think Linda wanted to put on a performance. When Rat first goes to talk to Stacy at her job, this is my biggest, my biggest, most irritating one. When Rat first goes to talk to Stacy at her job, she's selling a slice of pizza to a guy. She says, One ten. Five cents back. It's a ten. Guy hands her money. She says, your change is five cents. <laughs> so he handed her a dollar fifteen for a dollar ten? Did they have different denominations of money back in 1982? Why the hell did he add a nickel? Man, I don't Was know. Was he just like, oh my God, she's so hot. Gave her a diamond and nickel. And she's like, and why wouldn't she just be like, you gave me too much? She's like, your change is five cents. What change? <laughs> Couldn't she have seen you giving me too much? So you had mentioned a couple times, Damone tells Rat to play side one of Led Zeppelin four as part of his five part plan. Yeah. When he takes Stacy on a date, this isn't correct. Big time. Cashmere is not on Led Zeppelin four. It's on physical graffiti. Producers could not get the rights to Cashmere, but I think as a favor to Cameron Crow, Led Zeppelin gave Cameron Crow Cashmere. So they should have changed. They couldn't have gone back and filmed a quick five minute yeah. scene and go, put on side one of physical graffiti by Led Zeppelin. Yes, Boom. but no. no. So it's not on there. So he says, and I, they could probably explain that. Maybe he didn't have it, you know, it's maybe possible. whatever. When Brad is delivering food for Captain Hooks, oh. his delivery is to IBM. They're probably working on some big shit at that time. I would say so. IBM in 1982. They're about ready personal computer. And his boss says something like, Hamilton, I'll take over the fryer for a while. Those boys at IBM ordered a whole stack of those catch of the day boxes. I told them that you would personally deliver them within the hour. He says like, hey, that's the fifth time today or the fifth time this week they've ordered so it's like something big was probably happening at ibm 
Can you imagine showing up to IBM dressed like that, delivering food? Well, that's what he tried to yeah. do. He tried to take off the outfit or the, the uniform, and the boss was like, no, you got to wear it. My last one, Rat and Stacy go to dinner in his sister's car. When they get back to her house, she says, sorry, it got broken into and your stereo got stolen. So his stereo gets stolen. They go inside. She shows him her photo album. She starts making moves on him. They kiss, but then he abruptly gets up and he's like, I gotta go. And she's like, why? Like what, what's wrong or whatever. And he says, my sister's just really like particular about her car. And I understand that this is just a made up excuse, but wouldn't Stacy say she's not going to care about her stereo that was stolen? <laughs> Because she literally, pretty much. if he was afraid, he should have just said, no, I got to get home and tell my sister about the stereo. He was he nervous. Sh- he got a boner. Yeah. He got a nervous boner. All right. What is the legacy of this movie? It's a good one. Universal wanted an immediate sequel. Thank God it didn't happen. Of Spicoli Goes to College. Oh, Christ. There was a short-lived television series version in 1986 that recast all the characters. Claudia Wells as Linda, Courtney Thorne Smith as Stacy, James Nardini as Brad, Wally Ward as Rat, Patrick Dempsey as Damone. That's a head-scratcher. Dean Cameron as Spicoli. Ray Walston returned as Mr. Hand. Vincent Schiavelli returned as Mr. Vargas. Good day, everyone. My name is Mr. Vargas. Look, I'm a little slow today. I just switched to Sanka, so have a heart. Ran on CBS for seven episodes at an Oingo Boingo theme song. CBS does not seem like the proper network. No, so seven episodes is all that lasted. I still want to watch it. Yeah, I want to watch it. I love Dean Cameron, so. Yeah, I would say, I mean, obviously, like I said, this movie launched Vans into the Stratosphere. The actors, this movie has like more actors in it of any teen movie ever that like ended up having big careers. Cause like, look at something like American pie. Like none of those guys have careers anymore. No, not you know, anymore. Just if, if at all, it's, they're very small. No, Chris Klein did not get the Oscar for best picture no, or in street like, fighter. <laughs> Chun Lee. Or like, yeah, some of these like teen movies and stuff. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. What fast times did like seriously, Tremendous. when you watch the movie and see everyone that's in it, it's crazy. It's iconic. It is. It's one of the top films of all time. It's one of the top teen movies of all time. And it's a lot heavier again than than what the trailer you to believe. So with that said, stick around for some plugs. Cool sceners. Thank you once again for checking out the podcast this week. And don't forget, if you guys missed an episode, check us out. Apple, Spotify, Podbean and other podcast listening sites. And while you're there, like, comment, subscribe, rate and follow. Hey, you leave us a five star review on Apple. We choose it. You win a prize. It's just that easy. Also, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, TikTok. Yo, we're trendy at Pool Scene Pod One. And once again, guys, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And now, back to Kevin. Very happy to say it. Final lap guy. Yeah! All right, 100 episodes, Jim, winding down episode 100. Yes. For the final app, we thought we'd go down memory lane a bit. Yes. 
So we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments from the first 99 episode. Oh, we have so many damn good ones. You go ahead and start. I'll say our guest. Oh, I've been amazing. Our first guest, JC, on Dirty Dancing. Corey and Tunza from Game Lag. They've been on a couple times. Mag CH, Corey Hayes, three times. Three times. Justin from Dead Ink Apparel, who we hope to have on again soon. Kevin and Megan from Midnight Movie Podcast, and we were on their podcast. TJ, who we love, always comes through with some major issues. He always has that big thought. He always thought. has like some big epiphany. It's amazing. Uh, all of our Youngstown Comedy Syndicate friends, Chief Matt Lillard, Shane Herman, Michael Kalanich, Josh Winters. My wife Dana even made an appearance. Yes. A rock of ages when we covered a musical. He's singing in her asshole? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Using her asshole as a microphone. Not my wife, but the no. Malin Ackerman. You'll see it on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> the the reconnection that I had with Mark Wahlberg still to this day I would have to say Fear is probably my favorite episode we ever did. Yeah, I love I love Fear. It I just love, worked out perfect. Fear, Lost Boys. Yeah, I will say We Are the World. I feel like love we, that. I feel like we really accomplished something with that one. You put a lot of work I'm into like the really research. Really proud of that one because I just feel like we accomplished. You know, the definitive. I would put that up against anything. The definitive We Are the World companion piece. It's really good. And there's a, been a couple times I've almost passed out from laughing. The realization where I got Jonathan Sheck confused with Dolph. Oh Lundgren for Kindergarten Cop 2. Kindergarten Cop 2 is still unbelievable. Kindergarten Cop 2 is unbelievable because I can't believe we watched it. But we did because of the the deep ends, which we hope to bring back at some point. Yes. And then Chinese speaking vampires. Fucking what an amazing. Speaking of epiphanies that I was literally at the Dollar Tree down by my street. I messaged you. I sent you a picture. I was like. I'm picking this up. It's a buck. Yeah. Go figure and the journey. The lucky handful of you pool sceners out there that we, we sent a copy and some goodies to. You can't find that anywhere now. Yeah. Those are on. rare copies. People get them graded. When this podcast started, we specifically were a movies and music video podcast. For those who've been listening since day one, we would pair the year of the movie we were covering with the music videos from that year. But then we kind of ran out of years to cover. Because <laughs> music videos really only went from like eighty-one to two thousand six, seven, maybe to be worth talking about. And we got now. Granted, we haven't hit all those years. No, I think there's a couple years. There's a couple. Years. Yeah, maybe we'll do those coming maybe up. Maybe we revisit. It forced us to evolve. Yes. And like kind of do something different every week, like, which has been interesting. And and honestly, audience, please, pool sceners out there, if you've got pools, like not just episode suggestions, but if you've got like pool check suggestions, please let us hear them. Please. You guys have come on this journey with us through now 100 episodes and here's to 100 more. And make sure you guys never watch the movie Grind. Listen to our podcast. Don't watch that movie because I think it's the worst movie we've covered on this show. Who is Philip Zeptet? <laughs> I fucking forgot about Stalo- him. Stallone wore a hat in Driven. We covered season three. I thought it said Philip Zeptet. Zeptet. And it's just a hat that says Philip Zeptet. And I mean, who is Philip Zeptet? Zeptet? But it's Philip Zepter, who I think is a watchmaker. I think he is too. Yeah, have that with what you will. So plus we, you know, rekindled our love for Magic Mike, our first deep end from season one. And they're doing another Magic Mike movie. I'm excited. I cannot wait. I hope it's done right. Yeah. I hope so. Well, I think Soderbergh's coming back to direct. Yeah, I think which he is actually too. the second one's my favorite, which he did not direct, he produced. So but I think it'll it'll be good. So um yeah, I mean, tell us what your pool seniors, tell us what your favorite moments were. Yeah. 
Swim Meat series. I really, really or? loved the Lost Boys episode. That was another one of those movies that I've never seen. And then fucking Shane brought merch for Lost yeah. Boys that he bought. I never heard of Tim Capello before I, that fucking yeah. podcast. I rock out to it all the time. It's awesome. Yeah. I still believe. All right. Well, it's I'm I'm a little sentimental. I'm a little feeling emotional. We uh we went and celebrated, had a good time. Yes. Uh, prior to this podcast, and uh, we're not going anywhere. It's not like no. we're not like we did a hundred episodes and we're closing the book. No, we're off to episode one hundred and one. Off to one hundred and one. We've got some exciting uh, things coming up in the next couple of weeks, including another spoiler cast episode. Kevin, do you want to announce what? Since we didn't tell anybody what this episode was, do you want to tell people what episode one hundred and one is and why? we're doing episode 101 yes so as armageddon was episode number one but we did a remaster when you came down yes. with covid that's episode 50 yeah episode 50 kinda yeah there's a reissue of episode one we did armageddon so then since we did armageddon one we're gonna do armageddon's counterpart for 101 deep impact which is the best of the two in my opinion because really? you think you know why because something actually fucking happens in that movie yeah I haven't watched uh, Deep Impact in a long time, so I'm excited to revisit and hear our thoughts on Deep Impact next week. And there's, uh, like Kevin said, he alluded to, there's a big movie we talked about that's been delayed twice that is finally coming out and is going to be a spoiler cast. Yeah, spoiler cast. Uh, we've done a couple of those. And uh, yeah, we hope you stay along the journey with us for another 100 episodes. And we hope you continue to participate with the social media pages and, and reaching out to us. Before I forget, one of the best moments of the show is what you close every show with just about. Yeah. Is what you thought he said in fear. Yes. I always saw the fear trailers, see Marky Mark's little face through the keyhole. And I think he says, Silencia! Cool Sceners, thank you for sticking around after the final lap for this special 100th episode. We wanted to give you something special. We talked about it during the final lap, our memorable moments, but we wanted to save the most memorable moment for all of you that stuck around throughout this entire episode. So here's a little background. This goes all the way back to season number two, the last action hero episode. Before we were going to record the episode, something incredible, something extraordinary happened. And for all of you, once again, thank you for being on a journey with us. We love every single one of you. Hope you love the most memorable moment thus far of the pool scene podcast. We start pod scene pool scene podcast today. Dude, we are, we are in full. What the hell? We right just now. had like an actual paranormal experience and i would say oh, i see shit like that all the time but nobody else is around so i'm crazy but we both just uh, experienced a paranormal episode so uh, we heard we we record in this studio down yeah. in the basement and we just heard like a noise that kind of sounded like somebody maybe opened the door and closed it. My hair is standing on end right now. It is ridiculously standing on so end. So we heard almost like a sound, like sort of like the door opened and closed kind of, or like somebody had stepped onto one of the stairs. From where I'm sitting, I have clear view of the stairs. 
it sounded like somebody was stepping downstairs. I saw a shoe. Now, here's the thing. You're like, maybe the door is open. No, my doors were all locked. My basement door is shut. It sounded like somebody put pressure on the wooden steps, yeah. and I saw a it, shoe. It sounded like, and then it sounded like something like a uh, small pebble or like a BB rolled down the stairs. I'm freaked the fuck out right now. I'm not going to lie. That, and there's, I saw, it looked like I saw a foot. I, I absolutely promise there's no one here because we're the only Jim two locks his house down like Fort Knox always. I mean, that's just his deal, but you lock like the, the slider chain, the deadbolt. My the mom knob. taught me to lock the place up like Fort Knox. So there's no one in here. No, there and, is nobody here. But I love that we both got to see it because I'll be at my house and I will hear stuff like that all the time. And then I'm just like, oh, I'm crazy. Like I didn't, you know, I heard something, but it was nothing. But the fact that we both just experienced that was like the neck, my hair on the back of my neck right now is completely standing up. That freaked me out because it looks like I saw a fucking foot start walking down the stairs. Wow. Uh, that's certainly the <laughs> <laughs> that's your paranormal update, courtesy of the Pool Scene Podcast. That is the weirdest uh, way to start this podcast ever.